0: and welcome to another episode of the locked on tigers podcast I am your host, Chris Brown, and it's Thursday, March 28th, 2019, and it is a damn holiday, people. It is opening day. This is not a drill. So today, I'm going to preview this afternoon's season opener against the Blue Jays, maybe give you a couple of things to look for in the game, and then because it's the 35th anniversary of the 1984 World Series team, I wanted to bring in my friend Roger, who is the closest thing I know to a legit baseball historian, uh, so we could take a quick look back at how that 84 club was built. But before I get into all that, I want to get the housekeeping out of the way, so I want to remind you to download and rate and review these podcasts on any of the various podcasting networks like Apple Google Spotify and of course the new podcasting app Himalaya and you can tell your smart devices to play Locked on Tigers and if they really are smart they'll listen to you Um, so yeah it's opening day this is exciting it's not opening day Detroit so it's not that real holiday but it's still it's baseball it's baseball that matters uh, depending on what you feel about the Tigers team. But it's finally here, and there's no threat of a rainout like there was last year, because the Tigers are starting their action in Toronto under the Dome against their old AL East rivals, the Blue Jays. Uh, so this is the first time that they've opened uh, their season against each other since 2009, and I swear I didn't have to look that up, because I remember distinctly that series, because it was, uh, the, one of the games in that series was Rick Porcello's MLB debut. You know, he was such a highly touted prospect that everybody was watching, and that was an interesting game, because he debuted against Ricky Romero, who was also making his MLB debut, and that was the first time ever that two first-round picks had uh, pitchers had debuted against one another each other. So, yeah, I, I remember that, just for that weird quirkiness of it. But, uh, yeah, that was a four-game series back then, and uh, just a, a quick run down memory lane. Uh, the Tigers lost that first game 12-5 with Roy Halladay getting the win, uh, beating Justin Verlander, and Verlander gave up eight runs in fewer than four innings that day, and Adam Lind had six RBI, so it was, it was an ugly game for the Tigers. Uh, Edwin Jackson was brilliant in the second game of that series, but things kind of fell apart for him in the eighth inning, and then Brandon Lyon, remember him? He loaded the bases in the ninth and gave up a walk-off sack fly to Uh, The Tigers won game three behind uh, Zach Miner, another blast from the past, and two homers from Miguel Cabrera. And then they lost that Porcello-Romero game 6-2. I did have to look all that up, uh, and and when I was looking all that up, up, I noticed that Those first four games of that season took an average of two hours and 37 minutes. So uh, that that seems like it wouldn't happen now, but I don't know. I didn't look into that. So anyway, back to this year's team. The Blue Jays are are kind of in the same position as the Tigers are right now. They're rebuilding, and they aren't going to be great, but they should be better than the Tigers. They're projected to win about 75 games this year, whereas the Tigers are projected to win about 66. And the Blue Jays have a a better farm system than the Tigers do, uh, led by the number one prospect in all of baseball, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who isn't going to be playing. Playing in this series. Uh, he probably wouldn't have anyway, but he got hurt in the, in the preseason, uh, spring training. So, Tigers don't have to face him, which is uh, good for them, but also a shame for fans because he was really exciting. But yeah, the Blue Jays also have some more trade chips than the Tigers. On the flip side, they also have to look at a future of competing with the Yankees, Red Sox, and Rays. So uh, yeah, they're starting Marcus Stroman tomorrow, uh, and he's a unique guy. If you're not familiar with Marcus Stroman, because uh, he's only about five foot eight, which is really small for a Major League Baseball pitcher. Really, generally scouts look for guys who are six one, six two, and above. So that far under six feet is, is really pretty rare. And lots of people didn't think he could start at all in the majors, and yet the uh, the Blue Jays drafted him in the first round. Of 2012 and there he was starting games in the majors just uh, two years later in 2014 and he has a he has a big chip on his shoulder you might want to call it a napoleon complex if you will but uh yeah and he's got this this whole mantra called uh they say hdmh which stands for height doesn't measure heart but uh he's he's a good mid-rotation starter he's got some good stuff he uh he He's got a you know above average fastball. He kind of throws the kitchen sink at you. He's a fastball, slider, curveball, and cutter. He might even pepper in a few changeups. And he just gets an absolute ton of ground balls. He was uh, nobody who threw more than 100 innings last year got more ground balls than Marcus Stroman, and it really wasn't close. He was at like 63% or something like that, and the next closest was 56%. Uh, so if he's on, if he's got these thing's working, uh, his pitch is working. I would expect the Tigers to beat a lot of balls into the ground. Uh, in the lineup, we'll see the Tigers send out there tomorrow is just six for 31 against him lifetime. The Tigers have always seemed to struggle against him. Uh, although you know, Kristen Stewart and Grayson Grinder have never faced him. But Josh Harrison is the only guy in the lineup who's got multiple hits off of Stroman. Uh, he's three for five. So maybe I don't know. Maybe just maybe we'll see uh, the game start off with a hit from Harrison. We'll see that. Um, the Blue Jays' offense isn't really expected to be too great. Uh, but Randall Grichuk, Justin Smoke, and Teoscar Hernandez can do some damage uh, when they get a hold of the pitch, and Smoke in particular, I'd, I'd look out for him. He's a switch hitter. Uh, he he's three for nine against Zimmerman with two doubles and a homer. Obviously, these are small sample sizes, and who knows? But that uh, that'd be the guy I'd look out for. And also, Smoke has just always seemed like a Tiger killer. Uh, he's got 13 homers and 48 career games against the Tigers, so I would maybe look out for that. And the last player I want to mention is Ken Giles, Toronto's closer. Uh, they got him from Houston in a trade last year, and he's been a solid closer for a few years. He's also kind of nuts. Uh, there's a video of him last year with the Astros where he gives up big home run, and as he's walking off the mound to the dugout later, he screams, punches himself in the chest, and then punches himself in the face. It's absurd. It looks like something you'd see Jim Carrey do in a movie. Uh, I will I just go ahead and on YouTube and look for Ken Giles' punch, and you'll see it. And I'll, I'll try to link it in the show to see if that actually works to, to get get that to you. But, yeah, if it comes down to Giles on the mound, the Tigers may have a chance to get to him. He's one of the hardest throwers in baseball with an average fastball at 97.3 miles an hour. But he also has one of the biggest gaps between his actual velocity and his effective or perceived velocity, which all that means is, is basically how fast the pitch appears to hitters and that's because of his poor extension which basically means you know he releases the ball a few inches farther away from the plate than other pitchers and those extra inches count speaking of which Let's talk about sex. Good sex. Remember the days when you were always ready to go? Now you can increase your performance and get that extra confidence in bed. Listen up. BlueChew.com That's blue like the color blue. Blue BlueChew brings you the first chewable with the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis so you know they work. You can take them anytime day or night, even on a full stomach. And since they're chewable, they work up to twice as fast as a pill so you can be ready whenever an opportunity arises. Now this isn't just for guys who can't perform. It's for any guy who wants an extra function to enhance their performance in the bedroom. And, you know, they don't really get specific about what performance in the bedroom means here. I'm assuming they're talking about theater, although perhaps in your case it's more of a one-act play. Blue Chew is prescribed online and shipped straight to your door in a discreet package. So no in-person doctor's visit, no waiting in the pharmacy, and best of all, no more awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free when you use our special promo code MLB. Just pay $5 shipping. Again, that's B-L-U-E, Chew.com, promo code MLB to try it free. Blue Chew is the better, cheaper, faster choice. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. And now we can move right along to our next segment uh, with a little bit of Tiger's history. Yeah, so I'm excited to uh, to celebrate a, a locked on tigers first here with our first call in guest, and of course it has to be my my friend and my podcasting partner and the head honcho at Sports Radio Detroit, Roger Castillo. Roger, how you doing, buddy?
1: I'm doing really well. How you doing?
0: I'm uh, having fun. This is an interesting thing. I'm using the the audio that you set up for me. Like I said, uh, this is this is the Roger Castillo coaching tree. Uh, <laughs> but uh, yeah, one of the one of the things. So I I don't know. I've known you for like three years now. We've been doing doing shows for that long, and, and very quickly I learned that you have a real talent for baseball history, for remembering things, and and for, you know, like, oh, that was the the team that had this guy, and I'm like, who the hell is that? (laughs) But it's something that you're really good at, and so, you know, when we were discussing our show, we were talking about maybe revisiting the 84 World Series team, because uh, it's been 35 years since they won, which seems insane to me. I mean, we're both really young, but, but still, 35 years is a long time, and because it's opening day, we might as well give the listeners to this show a little preview of what they can expect on the other show. But uh, as you were telling me, and this is something I didn't realize, to understand that 84 team, we kind of have to go back even further. So maybe you can explain that for me a little bit.
1: Yes, that's correct. And so it was June 14, 1979, that uh, Sparky Anderson became the manager. Before that, all that happened and before what he promised the media what was going to happen, which was his guarantee to win the World Series in five years, and he was on. He That's when he said in the opening press conference. One has to understand what happened to a gentleman by the name of Les Moss. Now, Les Moss was the manager of the 19 79 Tigers. He just took over, and he took over for the great Ralph Hulk, who by the way, had, speaking of trees, his tree was pretty impressive. This was a man...
0: You're talking about his coaching tree, not uh, anything else, right?
1: <laughs> his man, coaching tree. <laughs> a blue <laughs> joke? His, uh, his baseball pedigree is second to none. Ralph Polk took over in 1973 after Billy Martin was fired, even though he won the division title in 70 with Billy Martin. As we all know, it's just kind of a nutcase. But Polk uh, took over. He just got let go by the Yankees, and he was part of those... Build, he was a manager and executive for those great Yankees in the 60s. And so he came over, and he told everybody his quote was I'm going fishing and that what made the way for Les Moss and Moss and you don't see this very often anymore Chris and I talked about it before he came up through the minor he was the manager of the year in 1978 for his work with the Evansville Triplets and he was the manager of the year in the American Association and the Sporting News Minor League Manager of the Year so he had a pedigree with him he won a couple championships with the Montgomery Rebels which featured a, a young Alan Trammell and he managed several Tigers on that 79 team including Jason Thompson who was a fan favorite Dave Roseman. Jack Morris, and Lance Parrish. So he got a lot of credit for also converting Lance Parrish from a third baseman to a catcher. So from there, team was 27-26 and he was let go. And people were kind of stunned about it, but at the same time, one Mr. Spark Anderson was let go by the Reds in the winter of 78, and Spark Anderson took a job as a reporter in California and for an LA station, and when the Tigers went to go visit the Angels for a series, West Coast series, Angels broadcaster and future Hall of Famer Don Drysdale introduced himself to jim campbell or excuse me to was george Kelly. so george Kelly and sparky anderson met jim campbell and don drysdale and later don drysdale spoke to sparky and sparky said he was having a he was gonna make a decision in the next 10 days and the decision was it was chicago he was gonna sign with the cubs but didn't let it be known where he was gonna go so the next day jim campbell kept blowing up sparky saying hey gold opportunity and vince them and ironically enough it was ralph hulk who told sparky that you want to be a, a manager for jim Campbell. so general manager jim campbell who built those, he built those teams. He was a big reason why the 84 team won. He built that team himself. That's kind of a cool story that essentially, because of Ralph Hulk and his story and his wisdom will play a small part in Sparky Anderson being the Tigers man.
0: Yeah, and so Sparky, he, he took over basically, what, like 60 games into the 79 season? That's correct. Yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to look in here, it looks like they lost his first game, but I don't know if you know that off the top of your head, but yeah, it's, it's this is all kind of fascinating to me, because it's stuff that I, I probably have a Bless You Boys book lying around here somewhere, or something like that, but yeah, I didn't know any of this, I didn't know Sparky was doing TV, I didn't know uh, that stuff, but I, I'm kind of curious about the makeup of that, that 79 team, like, uh, you know, we kind of compare it to the Tigers right now, they have a bunch of uh, young, kind of, not necessarily super talented players, and a couple old veterans, and I'm just kind of curious about the makeup of that 79 team, what it was like.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, Ron LaFleur, who was from Detroit, who was like, as everyone knows, kind of his story, of course well played by LeBar Burton. Ron LaFleur was kind of reaching his end with the Tigers. That would be his final season with the Tigers before he joined the Expos the following season, but uh, he was kind of, he was the Tigers' first real, like, base-stealing threat, and if you look at the time of the he's how those teams ran that's what he was and this is also a last period of time too for a fan favorite aurelio rodriguez he was part of the denny mcclain trade that came over in 1971 when the tigers traded McLain over to the Senders It came over he was a fan favorite he held the position down uh at their base and he was kind of the last of that, that era a little bit. And so, uh, Jason Thompson, who became a, it was a, fa- a fan favorite at the time. You read all the time about that. John Hiller too. John Hiller was on the 68 team. And this was the last part of that 68 team. He spent one more season with the tigers in 1980 but he was, at that point, I believe 36, 37 years old. So this was a team that had that kind of like that he was the last reverend of that 68 squad to be there. And then, you know, it, it what's interesting, too, is that it wasn't Jack Morris who was getting all the hype at the time, too. A lot of that hype came behind. Beyond, the opening they started for 1979 was Dave Rosema. Rosema mm-hmm. was supposed to be among with Jack Morris and then later Dan Petrie along with Jack Billingham, supposed to be as part of this great rotation of pitchers. But uh, we all know that Rosemont kind of fell off a little bit after that. But Rosemont was the opening starter in 1979 before Morris would start that uh, impressive streak. So, uh, again, it was, you know, the beginning of the Lou Whitaker. Whitaker and Trammell both played in 78. But what's interesting about... the, even like the construction of like uh Mill Wilcox gets in there too, John Wilkins, which is a, a fan favorite who be <laughs> yeah. a part of a big part of the eighty uh, eighty four run in a sense that he was a sacrificial lamb to get traded to get what would be known as Willie Hernandez. But uh there's a lot of fan favorites on this squad. It's just that mix of old but you're starting to see the youth come up right there and you know Alan Trammell being one of the last if I, can, if I can remember, Chris, few shortstops or infielders that came up from A and made an immediate impact for the Tigers. Yeah, I, I, I can't
0: remember unless Infante or Santiago, but they never really made a big impact early on.
1: No, not, I mean, you look at Alan Trammell's final year in AA at, in 1977 where he batted 291 with three home runs and 50 RBIs, but... Uh, he had 132 hits. He was very effective. He was part of that. I believe that was a team that won the minor league championship for the Tigers. So it was just to, to see the, the farm system come into fruition there. And it was a team that was coming together. And Sparky was really the veteran manager that was going to lead it there. And unfortunately for Les Moss, I mean, he, he got a job a short time later. And Moss went back to the minors, never got a, another major league job again. But what's interesting about Ralph Hulk was he took over. He started a coaching tree. He took over the Red Sox job in 1980 before get paid for John John McNamara, who took over in 1984, so that's a you know he had some young talent he was managing Wade Boggs that uh, Jim the tail end of Jim Rice's career and everything, but still it's still impressive because where the Tigers have come from 1972, make their way to 1979, and the system was building and there was there was a little hype for the Tigers.
0: Yeah, it's interesting looking at the roster. You see a lot of the names that were there on the '84 team. Um, yeah, unfortunately, one of the limitations of doing a 15-minute show every day is we can't really get in uh, into this too deeply. But uh, that's why I wanted to have you on because uh, and and Tiger's SRD we can, and that's what I you know if people like this and people happen to li- listen to Locked On uh, uh, and don't listen to Tiger's SRD I just want to point them uh, your way. So Roger, I appreciate you coming on being the first guest. Um, you can find Roger at Rogcast81 on Twitter, and of course at Tiger's SRD. And is there anything uh, anything else you want to plug, Roger? Any of the other SRD shows?
1: Uh just really want to just mention um if you have a chance uh check out our website just check out we have some great content we have a great soccer podcast uh, the set piece that i'm pretty proud of we have the road show uh which is kind of a pop culture sports show really we just appreciate all the feedback we'll be getting and you can meet myself and chris next week at simbads the tigers opening day live show next thursday at starting at 10 o'clock so hopefully we'll see you out there and we'll have some giveaways um chris i really appreciate the time
0: yeah thanks roger let's do it again And that is it for the March 28th episode of Locked on Tigers. It's opening day. I hope you uh, are really excited to watch the baseball, even if it's not all that great. It is baseball, and that's better than not baseball. Uh, I remind you to rate and review the show on all the various podcast platforms. And uh, as always, please do contact me with questions or comments or anything like that at LockedOnTigers at gmail.com or at LockedOnTigers on Twitter. And yeah, have fun watching the game, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll discuss that game, and that'll be it for the week. So uh, have a good one.